Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome back to the show. We've had an unbelievable first hour, which we're going to spin off on podcasts. You'll get a chance to hear Dr. Michael Thompson about the emotional reality of free play for kids. We'll be, you'll be able to hear Andrea Ozick again talking about the opposition of neighborhoods to the monopoles. Uh, and, of course, our opening conversation was with Bill Bloss, who was the person representing the John Gomes campaign in the decision to overturn the primary. But in this hour, I wanted to turn to other news. And you know that we've been covering what's been happening since October 7th, Hamas in Israel and the explosion of anti-Semitism, which uh, Jonathan Greenblatt recently said in front of Congress was a 388% increase over last year, and last year over the year before was a historic increase. But I think with the crowding of the headlines every single day, we all know we can all see what's been happening. And let me just give you a little bit of local. Last night in Fairfield, uh, Rabbi uh, Josh Ratner, part of a, a vigil, Uh, about trying to combat anti-Semitism in Fairfield. Today, as we speak in Greenwich, the Greenwich superintendent of schools was moved to send a letter to all of the Greenwich parents talking about the anti-Semitism found in the high schools and trying to root it out and route it out. In Orange this morning, Rosa DeLauro's office was vandalized and defaced by people who declare themselves pro-Palestinians. And so we're seeing in our own area uh, and, of course, we saw the um, defacement of things in Stamford and in, in other communities as well, and a lot of people vandalizing with red, bloody handprints, the State of Israel flag signs that were found in Westport and in Weston. So there's been a lot of ugly stuff that's been happening. A lot of it has been exploding on college campuses as well. And joining us now to talk about this and to talk about the local response as well as what's going on in Israel is Rabbi Yehuda Cantor. Rabbi Yehuda Huda Cantor is the leader of the Chabad in Westport, but I understand informally he is a spiritual leader of a lot of other Chabad organizations, which is an organization, well, he'll tell you in his own words what the mission of the organization is. And full disclosure, Rabbi Cantor is the person who married in my backyard in August of 2020 in the middle of COVID, but it was a very beautiful, beautiful day, August 30th, married my beautiful Joanna and my wonderful Yotam. So it's always a pleasure for me personally to welcome Rabbi Yehuda Cantor to the microphone, and he's here with us in studio. Rabbi Cantor, thank you so much. Thank you. So 
First of all, Rabbi, I saw that you are organizing care packages to Jewish college kids. Correct. I wanted to hear about that. Well, I think it uh, ties into a greater belief that I have that each of us really contribute differently in society. And as such, um, our challenges, each of us, are different in society. What's happening on college campus is an extreme challenge to the students, the Jewish students, uh, on campus. And in many ways, they're on the forefront of discussions that don't even reach rabbis' ears or talk show hosts' ears. Not necessarily are they so equipped or do they have the inner strength. So I, I think of it as we need to strengthen them to be able to do what they need to do in their domain. They're now frontline. And when we empower them, then they feel like both they have the knowledge because there's going to be information in these packages. There's going to be care, you know, love expressed in this uh, package. There's going to be some prayers. There'll be direction and there'll be connection. And I think, Interesting. I thought it was just teddy bears and candy. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. Well, I don't know what teddy bear represents nowadays, but... Uh, not, not just a loving stuffed animal? Did I miss something? Is this is teddy bear something well, else? Well, then we should put it in to there. go because, over my head? Did I miss that? No, we should, <laughs> then we should put it in because, frankly, that's what we want to do. We want to show the love and we want to share the love. And as they go through some of these challenges, and it's a little difficult for them, they should feel that they're empowered and they have their own uh, inner energy with which to rise up, which, by the way, strengthens us also. So it's like uh, that's the way society works. I was I was really moved by that, these Jewish care packages to kids. I think you're right, Rabbi. I think the kids are, um, you know what it is, and this is what's shocking to many adults of our generation. There seems to be a tremendous amount of ignorance of history. And then from the ignorance of history is a jumping to, well, that image and that, grabs, that headline grabs me emotionally, and therefore I must sympathize with who I think is the victim in a certain situation. But it's a bit of a vacuum. No, I, I totally agree, although I do believe that it's not only about education, because I think part of the challenge which is, you know, we're, we're facing now is, number one, is you know, just blatant anti-Semitism is a hatred, it's a bigotry, it's a racism, it's a profiling. I mean, it all fits into the same category. So the source of it really isn't only knowledge. You know, when you speak to someone, you can speak till you're blue in the face, but it doesn't always change the way they feel. Which leads me to my next point, and that is that I think what's really confusing, and I've done a, a lot of thinking about this, a lot of studying about this, I've done a lot of talking to people about it, is that there's an emotional element to to life. And in this particular case, there's an emotional element. Um, and the emotional element can go both ways. Like you could really feel bad for an underdog. You could really feel bad. And then it's difficult almost to define who the underdog is. But if you go with an emotion... Emotion will take you to a place that your intellect will not. But then if you're only in an intellectual basis, you're going to be cold and removed. Interesting. And then you're not feeling. So how do you bring together emotion and intellect in a perfect synthesis so that you understand who to have compassion for, when to have compassion, in fact, to define what is compassion? And I just want to give a quick example in parenting, take it away from, you know, the issue with um, Israel, et cetera. But for a second, you know, a parent that is too compassionate 
so to speak, to their child and allows their child at a young age to go to sleep too late, then the question is, is that compassion or is that actually misplaced compassion? On the one hand, you would say, oh, they're being very nice to the child. On the other hand, you would say actually that it's destructive behavior for the child. So I think there's this balance. What is compassion? And I just want to finish by saying that as a rabbi who leads and I'm very inspired by, you know, by the Torah and Israel is like my home, literally, even though I don't physically live there, but I go multiple times a year. Um, I know that they have to defend themselves. I know that self-defense is a necessity. And at the same time, when I see the photos coming out of Gaza, seeing some of the damage that's taking place over there, it just breaks my heart. And one doesn't contradict the other. And I think that's where it comes. Like, where do you, where do you allow um, an emotion to affect a decision that's being made, which is, by the way, existential? It's literally an existential need. And I'm proud of our country. I'm proud of you mean the United Sta- States of America. United States of America, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I do mm-hmm. have an Australian accent somewhat, but I'm talking about the U.S., I'm talking about the U.S. because I believe that our leadership has stepped forward with such moral clarity like I personally in this country have never, and I've been here for decades, have never, never experienced. And it takes a discernment, and that, I think, is where it comes to discernment. It's not about emotion. It's not, about a, it's not even about rooting for a side or not. It's about moral clarity. You know, it's interesting, Rabbi, a couple of things. First of all, I read a a very interesting essay in Christianity Today yesterday that was sent to me by a dear friend, Uh, and he talked about both sidesism and moral clarity, and he took pains to separate Hamas from other Palestinian people and said that on the issue of Hamas and Israel, that both sidesism was morally indefensible that there isn't a both sides between Hamas and Israel. There certainly is between Palestinian people in general and Jewish people or Israeli people in general, but not Hamas. Then the other thing, Rabbi, is I went to an extraordinary lecture at Carnegie Hall on Tuesday night. It was the Jonathan Sachs uh, conversation called a fracture, Killing a Fractured World. And it had been scheduled months before this. And I had been invited before this. But feeling about what happened since October 7th, I felt even more compelled to go. And on the stage was Sherry Redstone gave the, um, gave the, you know, introductory, beautiful valedictorian speech. And then after that, Peter Salovey, the head of Yale, uh, conducted a panel. And who was on the panel? The Archbishop Cardinal Dolan, a magnificent imam from down south, and Rabbi Meyer Soloveitchik. Mm of the Soloveitchik rabbinic dynasty, who, by the way, is a cousin of Peter Salovey, and they had never met. Wow. So that was really cool, too. And they look alike, but they, they really did look alike. They didn't realize they looked alike, but they did look alike. And Mayor, the rabbi said this. He said that anti-Semitism speaks in the language of its time, and it morphs and mutates. I'm calling it a cancer that mutates, but he used the word mutates. And he said in the Middle Ages, Middle Ages, anti-Semitism spoke in the language of the church and religion, which of course led to the uh, Inquisition and all of that. And in the 1930s, anti-Semitism spoke in the language of 
eugenics and racism and which race was superior to another race because that was the language around the 1920s and 1930s that separated people. The Klan was in its ascendancy here. And he said, nowadays, anti-Semitism speaks in the language of decolonialization because it is speaking to an intelligentsia in the academic world. But he said, this is the rabbi's opinion, that it was all the same, that it was a thread throughout the ages. And in the end, it amounted to hating Jews. I want to leave you with that thought to think about. We're going to be right back with Rabbi Yehuda Cantor, 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So we're talking with Rabbi Yehuda Cantor of Chabad Levavitch. Rabbi, I really should have asked you originally because I think it would help our audience to understand what is Chabad and what is the mission of Chabad? I'm going to say it in a, in a, in a broad sense, and that is that uh, the mission of Chabad is to promote God consciousness in this world and to do it uh, in a very sort of contemporary, effective manner with love and to lower the bar for you know for people to understand how they too can also bring more spirituality into their lives and at the same time help perfect this world through doing actions acts of goodness and kindness which is why I wanted to pivot for a second to how we ended off with the the analysis of anti-Semitism yeah. over the... What did you uh, think? Well, I, mean, I, I think... Do you know that rabbi? I do know the rabbi and he's absolutely... Uh, He's impressive. He's so well-versed. He's brilliant. Brilliant guy. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He's, a, he's, a, he's an up-and-coming. Okay. I would say. He's okay. yet young, so he has... Yeah, uh, he is young. But, I mean, he draws references in two seconds from his brain. You know you're talking to somebody on a different level. Right. And he's, he, he sees things abstractly and is able to bring it all together, which is, you know, very unique. I, I would say, however, that my approach is slightly different. Okay. Um, the analysis of anti-Semitism throughout the ages, I, I, you know, is clear, and the the link and the thread that we see is oh so clear. Um, and but you know, as we say in the Haggadah, we say it at the Passover evening, we do talk about that 
In every generation, we've had our challenges. And yet God has really saved us and has lifted us beyond the clutches of the evil. And there's got to be a reason why. And that's where I focus on. I say the reason why is because we all have to bring more light, kindness, and goodness into this world. So it's a mission that we have. And it's not a Jewish mission per se. It's a mission for all of humanity. And so, yes, there's uh, God, when he created the world, did allow for evil. That's another theological question we can get into. Um, but it's not because evil is the ultimate. It's because we have and we're empowered to do good. Challenged we are sometimes to do it because it's sometimes even difficult to see what is the good. And at times our own personalities may mix themselves into our decision-making. So if I'm hot-headed, if I may be you know, a different personality, I may see it a certain way. No one's listening today. Say so you, you want to talk about politics or you want to talk about sports or you want to talk about no one listens. So it's it's not even It's so true, Rabbi. <laughs> like, have you ever seen someone converted from being like a Republican to, to you know to a Democrat or Democrat to, it doesn't happen because people don't listen. And I think it's the other <laughs> I know. How do you you know, two oh three 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 nine forty two if you want to chat with Rabbi Yehuda Cantor. How do you as a rabbi who has a bully pulpit, quite literally a pulpit to sermonize, how do you deal with the fact that you know that people don't listen? That's a great question. That's great. <laughs> well, <laughs> knowing that when my teacher spoke to me, <laughs> a little got I through. Only, yeah, a only, little got only, through. Only a little got through. Yeah. Or more than they thought got through. Obviously. Yes. So therefore, I, I go with the same principle. <laughs> You're optimistic. I go with the same principle. You, you, you know, you. If it makes sense, it's not that it's people don't listen. It's actually cognitive dissonance. So I think that people. Do listen, and it maybe takes time for people to reflect. And I think that's the most important thing in life, which is why right now what's happening in Israel is there's a need to reflect because emotionally it's really gut-wrenching. Yes. And then on another level, this is existential. This is self-defense. I mean, this is clearly self-defense, um, you know, the survival. And then, and here's what I don't get, and this is where I don't think there's self-reflection. I understand that there's a lot of conversation that could be had with this. But if someone is marching and saying, from, you know, free Palestine, and they're talking about from the rivers to the sea, and they're using words that are slogans and catchphrases, which basically means extinction, and basically means non-survival um, or non, non-existence. What are they actually saying? Now, if they're not thinking anti-Semitic, they're saying anti-Semitic, and that's a problem, because there's got to be reflection about what position you are defending. You can defend some positions. You can't defend all of the positions that are being defended by very intelligent people. And you say, what are they missing? You're talking about the level of evil that our our president is comparing to ISIS and beyond, to Nazism and beyond. Didn't we learn anything? They went on Al Jazeera, the leaders of Hamas, and they were very candid. Uh, Justin, see if you can actually find it if we have it in their own words. But they were very candid to their credit in a way. They're not hiding anything. They said they want to eradicate all Jews. They don't even bother with Israelis anymore. They want to get rid of all Jews. They said it on Al Jazeera. Yeah, they'll tell you the first principle. They'll tell you the first principle. First principle is listening to what your enemies say. When they say it, they mean it. We, we, We equivocate. 
we, we, we get like, you know, diplomatic and PC and all that. But you have to listen to your enemies, hear what they're saying. And if they're saying in English one thing and in a different language something That's else. That's also true. You have to read the translation. Yes, From you do. what they're saying. From what they're saying. Yeah. Now, Rabbi Cantor, you are the rabbi in Westport. And uh, what are you thinking about in terms of the Fairfield County response to all of this? What are you thinking? I think that uh, it's multi-staged, and I think that the original and initial response was really just overwhelming. I think um, there was such a such an outpouring of of love and clarity to to the community, and the community themselves, the Jewish community, really, you know, stepped up to try and help as much as they could from a distance and continue to do so. But you know, the collective response I feel has been. Outstanding. Outstanding. Let's go to the callers. 203-333-9422. You're on the air with Rabbi Yehuda Cantor of Chabad of Westport. Mike from Fairfield. Welcome to the show today. Hi, Mike. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Rabbi. Um, you know, I I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and don't you think it would be, don't you think it would go a long way if the media and, and the social media and the news media would stop saying Israel is bombing Palestine targets. Israel is bombing Palestine this. Instead of saying Israel is bombing Hamas or terrorist targets, everybody knows that the Palestinian people are innocent people trapped in a horrible situation. But we keep saying bombing Palestinian this, Palestinian buildings. What do you think about that? Uh, I I think it's an astute observation, and it it feeds to the fact that they're going to use the terminologies that are going to drive ratings. And I think they do have a responsibility to actually be more balanced and level. You're 100% right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And what do you think about media coverage in general? Because I, I won't even say on the air the kind of responses my family. My family's monitoring all the stations. And uh, members of my family who are not normally given to, let's say, listen to Fox News have said that that's all they're listening to right now. Uh, what do you think about the news media, the coverage? Good question, Mike asked. Yeah. I'm reading and I'm watching like voraciously. I mean, I'm almost uh, semi-retired. <laughs> but and yeah, I mean, there is definitely some. Uh, some say watch the news channels that you feel most comfortable to watch, and others say watch what you're least comfortable to watch because then you get a deeper perspective. But then perhaps. your blood pressure goes up. It is true, and I, <laughs> I would say I try to to, to watch. You know, fifty-fifty. But I'm very much when I give advice to the you know the congregation, the community, I say mental health is very important. So you're just going to get someone slant on a piece of news that's going to upset you. There's no need for that because you need to be functional. Mm. You need to be there for your children. You need to be there for your your spouse. You need to be there. You need to look. We're into life and living. You know, life and living. Are two different things. Life could be defined by your your pulse, by your heartbeat, but living is to be engaged in life. And if you're distracted, or if you're depressed, or if you're agitated, or if you feel there's no hope in this world because you're seeing darkness, then you're not living. You're not able to give it your full living elements. And I, that's what I say: be very careful about this. This world, at its core, is good. 
there's a lot of evil in this world. You need to be strong mentally, emotionally, to be able to take on all of that that comes and assaults you so that you can bring more goodness into this world. Rabbi, are people telling you, are Jews telling you or asking you whether or not they should leave this country? (laughs) I have received that sort of feedback a little bit, but then I say, okay, so tell me which country you want to go to. Now, this country is the greatest country there, so I don't believe you can find anything better than this country. I know that even, you know, had it the family, had it, so many Jews got to Australia after the Holocaust. My, my family precedes that. From, oh, yes, you were yeah, there before World yeah, War II? Yeah, my great-grandfather was there, like, even, you know, before was World War Was he from the penal colony? Where, why was he there, <laughs> Rabbi? <laughs> he, was, uh, he was looking for a better life when he went from Russia to really? Palestine, to Israel at that point. Wow. And realized life was very difficult, and he went as a, you know, fully observant Hasidic Jew to Australia in the, you know, early 1900s. Um, but they thought that they were going to get away from, you know, hate and, and anti-Semitism. And then you look at the news and you see, like, the same chants, same slogans. The world is so much smaller today. You can't run from anywhere. Dagestan. <laughs> Dagestan. Yeah. Could you yeah. imagine? Who have even heard of Dagestan in Russia where they swarmed the plane? Yeah, that was. I have a story about that. You want to hear the story? I do. This shows you how weird and small the world is. I'm chatting with Rabbi Cantor. Okay. I have one of my very, very closest friends is from a missionary family. And she became my best friend in college on the first day of Johns Hopkins when I was 17 years old. She lived next door to me in the only all-girls dorm. And, uh, And we are like this. And she lives in Westport now, my very, very close friend. She has a very close friend who was the maid of honor at her wedding, who I met, who went full bore with her husband to become missionaries, Christian missionaries around the world. They've lived in Libya. They lived in Mongolia. They lived in Egypt. They lived everywhere. They're living in Dagestan now. Could you imagine? When this happened, my friend shows me a text from her friend. We're here in Dagestan. And... You know what happened to her? She was in a cab, and the cab driver started giving her a little bit of an interrogation because she looks American. Are you sure you're not Jewish? Are you sure you're not this? Are you sure you're not that? And for the first time living there, she felt frightened for herself that day in terms of her physical safety in a cab in Dagestan. She had to persuade her cab driver that she was not Jewish. She's not Jewish, but it was terrifying to her that they went crazy that and, day. And that, what that tells you is that w- when there's hatred, no one is immune. No one is immune. They'll come for everyone if it's allowed. And it's a cancer. It does spread. Absolutely. So that was, you talk about a small world. Hmm. I'm looking at a text from Dagestan. It's crazy, Remarkable. Right? Yes. Remarkable. Remarkable. The world is so, we're so connected, Rabbi. Interconnected. Everybody, we are. Rabbi Yehuda Cantor, good Shabbos to you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for coming in today. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Be well. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 